Exodus reveals God's desire to rescue his people from everything other than himself. After the exodus from Egypt, God's people saw a heavenly vision by which they came to know God himself and to know the kind of living that's in accordance with God. This way they could be built up as God's dwelling place on earth. This is the basic concept of the book of Exodus and it's also the basic concept of our Christian life. Stay with us for today's life study of the Bible with Witness Lee a program furnished by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two ministers of God's economy. Watchman Nee was imprisoned in mainland China in the early 1950s. Witness Lee was sent to carry on the ministry in Taiwan and eventually to bring it to the West. He began the life study of the Bible in 1974 and by 1979 had come to the book of Exodus. And joining us today to add his comments to this marvelous life study as it is unfolding is Dick Taylor. Dick, welcome back to the program. Brother Chris, it is really good to be here. Dick, we're going to continue to look at God's demand and Pharaoh's resistance on our broadcast today. This conflict going on between God and Pharaoh that lasted 10 chapters in Exodus. Why don't you review this encounter for us before we get to Witness Lee? Well, there are a number of conflicts in chapters 5 through 14 of Exodus. And at least to this point in the broadcast, we've covered a few of them. The first conflict where God demands is where he himself demanded before Pharaoh to let his people go that they may hold a feast unto him. Then secondly, God's demand still to let the people go, but he did the miracle of the rod turning into the serpent, even swallowing up all the serpents of the magician's rods. And then thirdly, this conflict issued in God changing the river Nile into blood, signifying death. The flow and the current of this world is just death. And then uh, today, especially, we see two more plagues in this conflict between God and Pharaoh, where God is demanding and Pharaoh is resisting. And the two plagues we see today are the plague of the frogs and the plague of the lice. And these plagues are very, very meaningful because they're not only a punishment to the Egyptians, but they are a revelation to all the people of God. Well, Dick, yesterday we saw the third conflict between God and Pharaoh, the water becoming blood from chapter 7, verse 17. And today we're going to look at the fourth and fifth conflicts in verse 2 of chapter 8 and verses 16 and 17. And today we're going to look at the fourth and fifth conflicts in verse 2 of chapter 8 and also verses 16 and 17. Verse 2 says, But if you refuse to let them go, I am now going to smite all your territory with frogs. And verses 16 and 17. And Jehovah said to Moses, Say to Aaron, Stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. And Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were lice on man and on beast. And all the dust of the earth became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Dick? Blood, frogs, and lice. That's what's on the marquee today because we, like the children of Israel in Egypt, are going to watch a little movie. Let's join Witness Lee. 
the book of Exodus is a book with a definite purpose to show us how God wants to have his people fully rescued from anything other than God himself. And eventually, these people will receive a kind of heavenly vision to know God and to know a kind of living that corresponds with God. Then they could be, not only they could build the tabernacle, but they could be God's dwelling place on this earth. This is the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus shows us that God desires, he is hungry, he is thirst, he is, I would say, somewhat too desirous to have his chosen people fully rescued from any kind of usurpation, to be freed altogether, to the utmost. They have nothing but God. You have to see this book is very unveiling. I tell you, God had a purpose. Then he chose a people. Yes, Satan took over these people and put these people under his hand. And these people, chosen by God, yeah, now, well, were absolutely under Satan's hand. Look at the situation. Nothing for God, nothing by God, nothing with God, nothing God. You see, everything Egypt, everything Egypt, altogether Egyptian, they were Israel, but actually they became Egyptians. Everything was Egyptian to them. So God has a desire to rescue them, to deliver them, to separate them, to release them from all the usurpation, from all the occupation, to bring them to a point, even not to the whole land yet, just started the journey to a point, the mind of God. When they read there, they had nothing Egyptian. What they had there, they had themselves with God. <laughs> you look at the picture. When all the two million children of Israel were there around Mount Horeb, what they had, they had the wilderness. They had nothing. The desert, wilderness, nothing. But they had God. They had God. They had themselves. God was there. God was there to be their center. God was there to be their light. God was there to be their purpose. God was there to be their business. Life, light, purpose, business. And God was there to be their hope. And God was there to be everything to them. If you look at the Mount Oreb situation, if they didn't have God, all the situation will be just a disappointment. Nothing there. Desert. Wilderness. Nothing else. A bare mountain. What they had? They had nothing. But hallelujah. They had God as a center. 
They had God as their life. They had God as their light. They had God as the purpose. They had God as their business. And they had God as their hope, as their future. God, God, God. Dick, it's very striking and impressive that God has reduced the children of Israel down to just himself during their journey through the wilderness. Why does God desire his people to be free of any kind of usurpation or occupation? He desires them to be free because his desire is that they would be separated uniquely to him for his dwelling place. This is a tremendous revelation in this message today. Many Christians don't really realize what being saved means. To be saved really means to be brought to a place where there is nothing but God and nothing but God's heart's desire. It's really precious to realize that God would free us from any kind of usurpation or preoccupation so that we could be just with him. And surely in this wilderness, there was nothing. There was nothing but God. It's so precious to see that God became his people's center, their purpose, their living, their business, even their home, because in the wilderness there was just nothing but God. It's amazing. As long as they're in Egypt, they have everything but God. But once they leave Egypt and get into the wilderness, they have nothing but God. You know, James 4, 4 says, if anyone is a friend of the world, he takes his stand as an enemy of God. He's not only constituted an enemy, he takes his stand. God doesn't want us to be in the position of the world. He wants us for himself. See, he could be everything to us. And Matthew 6, 24 says that we can never serve two masters. We'll either love one and hate the other. The footnote in the recovery version of Matthew 6, 24 says, Mammon stands in opposition to God indicating that wealth or riches is the opponent of God, robbing God's people of their service to him. So God wants us to be separated so that we would enjoy him and that we would be to him and we would be for his service, which is the building up of the dwelling place of God on this earth. So no wonder God wants us free from any usurpation or preoccupation. Of course, the Old Testament has many places where it refers to God as a jealous God. He really doesn't like to share us with the things of the world, does he, Dick? He does not. There's no competition. We are his and his alone. Dick, let's return to Witness Lee for another section of today's message. This word, cosmos, in Greek, has been used many times, but I assure you, even read hundred times, you still couldn't get a clear view of the world. Exodus gives you a movie after picture, another picture, another picture, another picture, another picture, moving picture. Not only to teach you, but to show you what is the world? What is Egypt? If the worldly elements of the Egyptian element still remains in us. This damages us. I can remind you, while Israel were in the wilderness, one day they still had the memory. 
of Egypt. Do you still remember, my, in Egypt, we had not only the meat and so forth, we have these three things, leeks, garlics, and onions. Do you still remember the Egyptian taste, the Egyptian enjoyment, the Egyptian elements? We all can realize by reading that portion, when they had this kind of remembrance, they were through with God dwelling place. They were through. Now you can see why today thousands of Christians can have nothing to do with God dwelling place because they all are Egyptian. Too Egyptian. Rather, I would say thousands, thousands of Christians that are still in Egypt. Some, including you and me, may have been already separated from Egypt, but quite a number of times, while we are here in the wilderness, we still remember the taste. So, now I understand at least a little bit why this book gives us a clear movie concerning not only Egypt, but concerning the living, the life of Egypt, the Egyptian living, because all these plagues were not only unveiling to the Egyptians, warning to the Egyptians, a kind of a punishment to the Egyptians, but also is considered what these plagues were going on. And the children of Israel were all seeing this. Don't you believe that they fully realize the meaning of the Egyptian living? Through all the plagues, those children of Israel were made to realize what is the real meaning of Egyptian living. That should have helped them to hate the Egyptian living. Dick, the Lord in his wise dealing with Pharaoh was also wisely dealing with Israel as they were there watching this heavenly movie as Witness Lee has described it. God surely brings us through similar experiences, giving us a view of the world that previously we didn't see. How were these plagues a kind of revelation of the real situation in Egypt to the children of Israel? These plagues were a revelation to the children of Israel and even to us today. I hope all of you who are listening really catch this revelation. We saw the plague of the Nile River becoming blood. And this means the nature of the world is just death. That blood just indicates death. Then we see the plague of the frogs. This indicates that in the world, all you have is trouble. Frogs everywhere. Frogs in your oven. Frogs in your closet, frogs in your bathroom, frogs everywhere. Anywhere you go, frogs. <laughs> so frogs indicate trouble. And then with this other plague of the lice, and the lice are so tiny and so irritating and so itching, so bothering. So you got these three plagues, but they bring out three significant characteristics of the world. In the world, that is in Egypt, all you have is death, all you have is trouble, and all you have is irritation. Many people have had a lot of money. 
They're in the world and they just love this money. But then there's an economic crisis and all the money's gone, like the recent crisis in Asia. I've heard of a few people who, because of the crisis, committed suicide, just issued in death, just blood. And then even this money that you just love so much more than God can become just like frogs. Eventually, you are involved so much that this stuff is just hopping all over you, bothering you. Any door you open, any letter you open, anything, there's frogs in there. And then lice everywhere. You're scratching from early morning to late at night because you got nothing but problems from the money. This is just an example, but it's very precious to see this revelation that's brought out by these three plagues. The main point is we would realize The nature of the world is just death, signified by the blood. And the meaning of the world is just trouble, frogs everywhere. And the consequence of living in the world is just lice. You're going to be irritated to the uttermost. The main point is God is trying to make his people clear, and all of us believers clear today, our home is not the world. Our home is God himself and his dwelling place. If you really see the revelation that's a result of these three plagues, you'll realize there is no real enjoyment in the world. It looks like it, but eventually it turns out to be blood, frogs, and lice. This is not enjoyment. The only enjoyment is God himself with his dwelling place. Dick, I think that we can all relate to what you're saying, particularly your description of the frogs and lice. This is one of those images that I think when you hear it, you do get an impression of what's being spoken of here. Our daily life is full of these frogs and lice. But to really enter into how God feels about the world, we need to see it as he sees it. And that's what we're going to do in this third section. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. This first group of three unveiled to us the real nature, real significance, real situation, and the real result of the world living. Death, trouble, and then life. We know something disturbing you. Three things. God unveils the real nature of today's worldly living. What the real nature? Death, trouble, disturbance. Yes, now they don't kill you. But this is the real significance, the real situation, and also the real result of the world living. Brothers, don't you believe we need such a revelation? We need such an impression that we may never forget. Oh, the world life, the world living, it is not water, fish, earth, producing all the life supplies. It is blood, it is frogs, and it's lice. Death, trouble, disturbance. I hope that the Holy Spirit would speak to you or gives you a picture and impress you. You not only hear a message that don't love the world. No, I don't charge you not to love the world. I just give you the picture. This is 
Today is Egypt. We are right here. God's mercy gives you this movie to show you the real nature, the real significance, the real situation result of your living. Get out of it. God is waiting you. Where? God is waiting you there at Mount Herod. Get there. There'll be no frog. There'll be no lies. There'll be no blood. There'll be what? Light. There'll be revelation. There'll be God's presence. There'll be a purpose, a future full of supply. This is why this book needs this section to give us a contrast. And what is here in Egypt? And what is there at Mount Herod? A contrast. Do you like to be here? With all the frogs? With all the lies? This book gives us a movie. The whole Egyptian living was exposed to be the very, very, very disgusting. What shall we do? Dick, there is a clear teaching in 1 John in the New Testament that we as Christians should no longer love the world. Certainly, we don't disagree with this teaching. But as a parent with teenage children, sometimes the only way to teach them about something that is harmful is to let them see the thing for themselves. What about us, Dick? How does God show us the world and then empower us to get out of today's worldly situation and come to the mountain of God? I have to say this particular broadcast is tremendous to really expose the world. And this picture portrayed in Exodus causes you to spontaneously hate, to loathe, and to want to flee this place, to be gathered to the Lord for his heart's desire. This picture in Exodus is tremendous because you see the nature of the world is death. The meaning of the world is just trouble. And the consequence of living in the world is just nothing but irritation. And that's all I've ever seen. Anybody who left just caring for the Lord and caring for his heart's desire and went into the world, every one of them ended up just full of spiritual death, ended up with trouble, and ended up with nonstop irritation. Blood, frogs, and lice. No doubt the best way to teach others is not just to say, don't love the world, although the Bible does say that. Anyone who loves the world is an enemy of God. On the other hand, God's real way to teach us is to show us what's really there. There's nothing there. There's no real enjoyment there, only death, trouble, and irritation. On the negative side, that's all there is in Egypt. On the positive side, we have God as our everything. As we mentioned, once you enter into the wilderness— there's nothing of Egypt there, nothing to depend on except God himself. He's the center. He's the purpose. He's the business. He's the living. He's the home. He's the food. He's the drink. He's our joy. He's our pleasure. He's our entertainment. He's our amusement. He's our everything. So what we need is to see the world exposed as it is in Exodus, and we need to see God's desire as revealed also in Exodus, his desires we'd really enjoy him. And Chris, I have to conclude my answer by just giving a big, big thank you to the Lord for bringing me under this ministry, because only under this ministry was I able to see the world for what it is, death, 
trouble, and irritation. And only by this ministry that is supplying me with the preciousness of Christ, bringing me to the Lord as my first love, focusing me on him alone as my life, and causing me to love him with a first love. Only that way could I even be supplied to get out of Egypt, to get out of a worldly living. And even every day, we still fight this battle because Egypt is not just outside of us. Egypt is also inside of us. So I am just grateful to the Lord to the uttermost for bringing me under this ministry to be brought to this precious Christ and to realize God's desire is that he would be everything to us. So it'd be really good if we ended this broadcast by just telling the Lord again how much we really love him and we thank him for delivering us from Egypt. How about we all say together, Lord Jesus, thank you for delivering me from Egypt. Thank you for bringing me to yourself for your dwelling place. Oh, Lord Jesus, I love you. Well, Dick, I really think that's the right note to close our program on today. Thanks again for your fellowship. Amen. You've been listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Brought to you by Living Stream Ministry, publisher and distributor of the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. If you'd like to contact us, just email radio at lsm.org or call us toll free at 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Thanks for listening.